Book your New Jersey summer vacation. Get ready for sunshine vibes and waves of beach and boardwalk fun. Go for exciting destinations, entertaining nightlife, and endless outdoor adventures. Whether relaxing along 130 miles of Jersey Shore or climbing high in the Skylands. Create your New Jersey summer escape at visitnj.org slash book now. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome to our post-game edition of the Dogland Podcast. Uh, Man, this one's going to be a tough one because it was a heartbreaker, a gut punch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, The Browns had uh, the home opener and the chance to go 2-0 for the first time since 93. Uh, in their grasp, and within the last minute and 55 seconds of the game, they blew a two-touchdown lead and lost 31-30 to uh, to the New York Jets. Um, I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Uh, Anthony Jokey is rolling with me. And, Anthony, I, I know you were in the stadium today. Uh, the stadium was rocking. Um, and just tell me, like, as, as we get this started, what was it like in that stadium watching what what went on those final two minutes of the game well after after nick chubb scored they started playing i want to rock and roll all night uh and we're all singing along having a grand old time and less than i don't know what 10 minutes later in real time uh it was stunned silence and you Definitely heard those boos uh, as the Browns walked off the field uh, after that loss. Uh, those were some of the loudest boos I've ever heard in attendance there. Uh, and at that time, the stadium was about half full, maybe 60%, because after Chubb scored, a lot of Browns fans left. All the Jets fans that were there were gone. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody was excited and whatnot. And, uh, it went from a, a, a party atmosphere to uh, dead silence in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it, it was wild. Like uh, I had a family dinner uh, earlier today and, you know, we were all excited when Chubb went in the end zone and my uncle made the comment. He goes, oh, we got this in the bag. And me and my brother and a couple other family members looked at him and it's like, this isn't over yet. And that little did we know that what was going to happen happened. And it's just it. My girlfriend texts me. She goes, "Are you cussing right now?" I said, "No, it's just that sick to my stomach feeling like like that." So it is. I don't get like mad, like throwing stuff and cussing. It's just because I've seen it. We've seen it too many times as Browns fans. It's just that I feel like I'm gonna get sick because and we've yeah. seen and we've seen everything possible since the team came back in '99. And some of us have seen it longer, going back to the '80s and what happened. And but it's just it never it's never easy and and the pain never goes away. And it's like, we can't really celebrate the victory till the clock strikes zero. Nope. No. Yeah. Always, you know, the, the clock has to hit triple zero and the referee has to say that that's the end of the game before I believe the Browns went because right. 
we, we, we've seen it way too often. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, the Bears game back in 2001. Uh, Browns were up, same thing, up two touchdowns with uh, under two minutes, and they gave up a touchdown, blew the onside kick, and you know, gave off the lead and the Bears won. So we've seen it before. It's happened. I don't know. I think I saw it hasn't happened since then. Yeah. <laughs> Which go figure, right? So, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just another very tough Browns loss. And, you know, they have to put it behind them very shortly, as do we, because they have another game on a short week on Thursday night against Pittsburgh, uh, who also lost this week. So, um Thursday night is an extremely important game, and as tough as this loss is, it's got to be in the rearview mirror very quickly and uh, move on to to Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, you mentioned it. The last time a team overcame a 13-point deficit in the final two minutes of a game to win was the 2001 Bears against the Browns. So, And I think it was 2,229 games have happened in between those two instances. between that game and today's game. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. It rarely happens. I've seen the win probabilities is 99.9% when Chubb scored uh, with a minute 55 to go. So this might be the worst loss in franchise history, and there has been some big ones uh, in franchise history, but this this one's uh, definitely up there for sure. And it, it was wild. Um, let's go right back to that. So Nick Chubb scores with a minute 55 to go. Um, it was... The two-minute warning hadn't happened yet. The Jets took their final timeout with 2.09 to go. Uh, Nick Chubb got outside. Um, he could have he could have done what he did against Houston a couple years ago and uh, taken a knee or just stopped ahead of the goal line. The Browns wouldn't have been able to potentially, you know, kneel all three times. Cade York kicks a field goal. We go up. Um, I think it would have been 27 to 17 and there wouldn't have been much time for the Jets to do anything. They could have done that. And there's some Browns fans saying, and national pundits saying that the Browns, that Nick Chubb should have done that, and they shouldn't have scored. But at the same time, it's like, who would have known the Browns go up? It would have been, it was 30 to 17 at that point. Who would have known Cade York misses the point after, and then the Jets uh, go back on offense, and the Browns defense epically collapses. I mean, Anthony hindsight's 2020, but if you're Nick Chubb, you still score on the touchdown or are you taking the knee and letting the clock wind down to give the jets no opportunity to make an epic comeback? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020 and I, I don't fault Nick Chubb for scoring because having a 13 point lead with a minute 55 remaining, you would think that you'd be able to put the game away. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of people out there like blaming Nick Chubb and whatnot. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be all for that. Granted, like you said, hindsight is 2020. That probably would be the smart thing. And, you know, we've seen it do it before. Uh, but your defense has to be able to, you know, close that game out. And uh, what happened in those last few minutes, uh, absolutely inexcusable. And, you know, uh, the, the offense did more than enough to win this to win this game. You and I talked about on on the pregame show. I think I said, you know, I don't see the Jets scoring more than like twenty points in, in this game. Uh, and in the last two minutes there, they they had seventeen. So 
um, what happened shouldn't have happened. And uh, unfortunately, now you're sitting at one on one. Yeah. So, you know, Chubb scores, the Jets get the ball. Uh, they did a quick pass to Conklin for nine yards. And then, you know, this has been the focus of the post game. Uh, the defense has been taking an absolute beating as they should. Uh, they've given up 55 points in two games. And I seen this statistic, 62% of those points, I think it was 34 out of the 55 points have been given up in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think uh, confusion, miscommunication, whatever you want to call it has been the root of the problem in the Browns secondary. John Johnson spoke about it um, after the game saying some guys got are sending the calls and some of them just, or guys are sending the calls in. Not everybody's receiving it. And you look at the little animations, uh, Jake Trotter tweets them out when on certain plays of the games. Um, I don't know if it's Grant Delpit. I don't know if it's Denzel Ward, whoever is miscommunicating um, on these plays. Like there is something seriously wrong in the Brown secondary right now, because this has happened multiple times happened multiple times today multiple times last week against carolina whatever their their coverage call is not everybody's following suit and this is a serious problem especially when you're losing to teams like the new york jets now granted the new york jets knew exactly what the browns were doing defensively obviously sala and lafleur coming from san francisco where joe wood spent time as well so they knew what was coming out of this browns defense but there is so much talent on that side of the ball anthony and the fact that they are there's busted coverage time after time again, I don't know if to blame Joe Woods. I don't know if it's to blame Jeff Howard, the DB's coach. I don't know if it's blaming the players on the field. I don't know if everybody should be held accountable. I think that's ultimately what it should be. Everybody can be better. But things like that, when Corey Davis is wide open by at least 10, 15 yards with no one around him, like that is an alarming thing. And it's happened two weeks in a row, last week with Robbie Anderson, this week with Corey Davis. I don't know if people should get fired. I don't know if players should get traded or cut or benched, but these things need to get cleaned up fast because things like this and what happened at the end of the game could unravel a whole season if these uh, mistakes don't get corrected. Yeah, and that's something you and I talked about on on the pregame show, like – they could not afford those kinds of busted coverage because of, you know, those, those receivers, you know, they gave up 300 passing yards to Joe Flacco today. Granted he has won a super bowl, but you know, Joe Flacco has just been a backup these last few years and uh, you know, hasn't had that many opportunities and he came in there today through for 300 yards. Um, you know, as far as whose fault it is, it's definitely everybody's. Uh, there is a, a communication communication breakdown, and those processes need to be completely reevaluated. Um, you know, as soon as possible, because whatever they're doing is not working. Um, you know, you, you read that quote from John Johnson about, you know, the calls are coming in and not everybody's receiving them. That's just hilarious from professional athletes, uh, people who are at the highest level uh, of football in the NFL. And something needs to change drastically and quickly. Uh because, you know, the team that comes in here on Thursday night, they have good receivers too. Um, and I would argue at this point, 
Trubisky's probably a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. So um, not by much, but still, uh, you know, it's just they, they need to clean it up. They need to clean it up very quickly. And, you know, if we see a repeat on, of this on Thursday, I could totally see, um, you know, people losing losing jobs, uh, whether it's players on the field or, or coaches. Uh, I'm not going to make a change with a short week, but when you have 10 days before the next game after Thursday, it's certainly possible. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Tyvis Powell, who uh, played at Ohio State with Denzel Ward, played in the NFL, um, does the Brown, it works for the Browns radio network. He tweeted out, he goes, it looks like there's confusion because everybody's playing cover three, but Denzel Ward was playing a hinge technique like he was in cover two. So he said it was definitely a coverage bust, but it just seems like Denzel Ward was the guy that didn't get the call, which is pretty bad because he's the best corner in the and on the team, one of the best corners in the league, and he didn't get the communication or he was playing something completely different while the rest of the team was. So whatever the issues are, if they don't get this stuff fixed, I agree with you. Things need to change. I don't know if it's firing Joe Woods. I don't know if it's firing Jeff Howard, the DB coach, but something's got to get fixed if things aren't getting better. And obviously, you know, like you said, with Thursday night coming fast against Pittsburgh, um, if they would want to make a change after Thursday against Pittsburgh would be a good time because you have, like you said, 10 days between the Pittsburgh game and Atlanta in week four, in week four to where you could make a change and uh, get a new coach in there, uh, someone within the staff, obviously, and uh, getting those uh, mistakes corrected. And, and the problem is, is there's really – I think there's like one person I saw on staff who's called plays before. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it would be a very tough situation if they were to, to move on uh, from Joe Woods, uh, you know, early on in the season, because obviously you're not going to bring in anybody to replace. And, you know, again, that sets your defense back and you have to bring in somebody new next year and change personnel, change players. And it's just a, a, a repeat thing. So, Hopefully they can clean up the communication. Hopefully uh, they, they can over communicate or, or emphasize it in practice with this weekend. Maybe that'll help, but um, it's just something that they have to figure out uh, yesterday. Yeah, for sure. It, it's pretty ridiculous that the communication is still not down because it's the third year. Joe Woods is, I've uh, been running the defense. Um, most of the guys have been here at least two seasons. They practice every day. You know, they're working together in the rooms every day. Like, I don't understand how there's still miscommunication breakdowns when they're, the entire defense is the same parts and pieces as it was a year ago. So this is really bad. It falls on coaching, but it also falls on defensive leadership. And like John Johnson, like I get him trying to speak up but don't do that in front of the media because then that just creates more problems. Um, and then that leads to more questions for Stefanski and everything. And it's just, that's something they need to handle internally. We remember last year when miles Garrett called out Joe Woods after the new England game. Uh, now granted that helped and the defense picked it up the sec after that game. But like, I feel like those things need to be handled more internally than with through the media because the media, um, tends to take those things and not, and then just stir the pot even more. So hopefully this is something they clean up. Um, I would hate for anybody to get fired, but like if things don't get fixed and it's obvious changes need to be made at that point. 
yeah, hopefully gets to clean up. You want to talk about Miles Garrett quote really quick? Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to that definitely because that was another thing. Um, Miles Garrett spoke to the media after the game as well, um, talking about um, the fans walking out of the stadium disappointed, the fans booing. Um, he said the more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. It was not the most optimal ending to have. Of course, we want to win. Um, we get a pick or a strip sack and end the game. That's not always that's not always how it goes. Um it's disappointing for everybody. Um, but he's he more or less said uh that they it was more or less like the fans shouldn't boo or give up on the fan or give up on the team so easily. I just want to say, I don't think Miles Garrett, I don't think anybody's giving up on the Cleveland Browns. Um, we're going to boo if there's performances like what happened today, when you give up a two touchdown lead in the final minutes, we have every right to boo the defense. We have every right to boo the special teams. Um, we even have the right to boo the offense for turning the ball over when you had a chance to get in the field goal range to still potentially win that, that we're going to cheer our asses off when you win. And we're going to boo when there's bad plays or when you lose, that's just how professional sports is. Like I get, you know, players uh, wear their emotions and they, they care about you know the fans how they feel we seen it last year when baker mayfield got mad about the uh the fans booing him after he played horribly against the detroit lions but that's just what fans do they're going to cheer when good things happen and boo when bad things happen and unfortunately what today was a really bad thing so of course they're going to boo the hell out of you guys because that was ridiculous what happened at the end of the game yeah, I can think of a lot more words. Some I can say, some I can't say. Disappointing <laughs> on this podcast about yeah. those last two minutes. So for sure, um, I I don't know. And I saw John Johnson's quote uh, as well about uh, about it. And you know, that's definitely definitely more on on the level of getting it. Uh, you know, he talked about you know these fans come out to pay their harder hard earned money to to watch this play and you know we gotta close it out when we have a lead like that so uh, that's extremely paraphrasing uh, what he said but um you know it's 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 frustrating uh but you know like i said they have to have a short memory we have to have a short memory and and, and move on yeah for sure like john johnson i because i was listening to the post game while i was walking after the game john johnson said he goes we can't mope he goes, we have to, you know, refocus. He goes, we'll watch film tomorrow. And then it's all eyes on Pittsburgh, which is, which is good. And I know last week um, after the win players walked into the facility Monday morning and it, and it, the sign said it's jets week. So I'm sure tomorrow when the players walk in, uh, they're going to, the sign's going to say it's Steeler week. Like they're going to watch film tomorrow. Um, the coaches are going to grill them on their mistakes. And then, it's all preparation for Pittsburgh. So they ha we have to move forward and, and they have to move forward as well. But, you know, Anthony, I mentioned about special teams, you know, they, they did not recover the onside kick. Um, Demetric Felton had a tough time there uh, punt returning again, you know, as, as much as Mike or uh, Joe Woods is on the starting to get on the hot seat. Mike Prefer is getting on the hot seat as well. Um, you know, there's obviously a missed extra point. Cade York was hard on himself. He said, he he's going to come back and try to make the next kick. Like that's the focus, but the special team woes continue. Um, I would have to say prefer is on the hot seat as well. Like I'm not going to say they're going to make major changes after 
you know, after the Pittsburgh game, but there is definitely potential for it. And the special team miscues happening again, um, especially with, you know, they were so close. Amari Cooper um, and David Bell both could have got that ball on the onside kick and it just didn't happen. Um, but it's just poor execution, which I think comes back to the coaching. Um, but yeah, the, these miscues just can't happen uh, in such a tight contest like what happened today. And it's just, it just seems like this is one of these losses that could really unravel things. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people on the hot seat and, and they should be. I wasn't looking for a stat and this is all I could find, but in the 2020 to 2021 NFL season, there were a total of 71 onside kicks attempted during the regular season. Only three of those succeeded for 4.23%. Uh, I don't have the numbers from last year. I was trying to find it, but that, that, that was the success rate of the, the Bears uh, getting – or the Bears, uh, I'm thinking of 2001, of the Jets um, recovering that onside kick. So I, I, I didn't really see who it was, who uh, the, who the ball was kicked at. I had a tough angle from where I was sitting. Uh, but that's just – you have to recover that. I mean, that's just – the, they changed the rules and, and it's made it so difficult for the kicking teams to uh, uh, recover the onside kicks. And um, I, I can't think of one that, uh, you know, I've seen that has been successful in, in the last few years. So of course, you know, it happens uh, against the Browns today. And that, that just has to, you have to get that. I mean, you get that, the game's over. You take three, uh, two knees, three knees, whatever it is, and, 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 and the ball game's over. So um, that's something else that obviously has to be uh, reevaluated very quickly. It reminded me of the Patriots game in 2013 when the Patriots scored, I think, it was two touchdowns in the final like minute in the onside kick, and it went off Fozzie Whitaker's hand. And oh, the, Patriots Josh, were... the, jo- the Josh Gordon game where he yeah. had like 200 yards. <laughs> yeah, well, one of, yeah, one of the games he had 200 yards. But, yeah, I mean, it was kicked towards Amari Cooper, and I think it deflected off his arm, and, like, it went towards David Bell. And, like, the one – there was a Jets defender in between, and it seemed like, like the ball – like, he shuffled the ball over a little bit for another Jets player to pick it up. It was just – it was just bad luck. It was just a bad ending to this game. And it, it was, and you know what? Cause we'll talk about it. It really put a damper on a Browns game where the offense finally showed up and put together a great performance, albeit the defense and special teams let them down and just uh, put a damper on what would have been a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the offense played really well. Uh, I thought Stefanski called a really great game. Um, you know, we talked about the defensive line for the Jets and they certainly had some success early on, but uh, Stefanski went to the screen game, you know, tight end screens, running back screens, uh, and it was very successful. And you saw uh, Jacoby Brissett, you know, beat the Jets a little bit with his legs on a few plays, um, which is definitely a, a, a facet of the game that I don't think, you know, the, the Browns have had, and we'll see that uh, when, when Deshaun Watson comes back. But, um, you know, it, it's very tough uh, uh, when you have an awesome performance like that. You put points. You know, you, you should probably win the game. And, you know, 
uh, unfortunately, the, the defense didn't hold up their end uh, of that. So, yeah, the I thought the game plan was really good. They did a lot of good things. Uh, it took a long time for them to have success running the ball, but, uh, you know, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, uh, the, the Jets defense got tired and they were able to uh, – you know, wear them down and have a lot of success moving the ball. So um, it, it really stinks that this offensive performers just got completely wasted because of the of the defensive meltdowns. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was really disappointing. You put up 30 points and you find a way to lose, which is just bad. Um, Jacoby Brissett, I just want to talk about him more. Um, I think he started off, he completed 15 of his first 16 passes and the first incomplete was the uh, contested catch for in the corner of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, Donovan couldn't haul it in or keep his feet in bounds, but it was still an amazing effort by him. But Jacoby Brissett, I thought, played really well today. Uh, the interception late wasn't great. Um, I know he was trying to make a play, trying to get him into uh, Cade York range to try to win, but Brissett, all in all, I thought, played really well. Uh, he used... Um, his mobility, which isn't the greatest, but he made it work today. Uh, six carries for 43 yards, only uh, only took one sack. Um, got and I thought the biggest thing was him. Um, and Mamari Cooper got things going. Like we finally seen why the Browns traded for Amari Cooper. Um, the timing, the chemistry between Brissett and Cooper was amazing today. Uh, Cooper had nine catches on ten targets for 101 yards. Also got in the end zone for a touchdown. Like. I just thought it was really good. Um, not only that, but got Najoku involved, got Brian involved in the passing game, uh, utilizing Chubb out of the backfield as well. But I just thought Brissett looked much better this week. And I think it gave Browns fans some hope that this offense has the potential, while they're limited at what they can do, has the potential to put points on the board, not only um, on the ground, but in the air as well. Yeah, he played a very good game, and you know his only real mistake was that last one, and that's usually a throw he doesn't make, right? Uh, because he's very careful with the football, so um, he probably could have just threw that one away. Would have gave them the time to run one more play. They still had one timeout left. Uh, it was amazing that they got to to where they were, uh, you know, after his long scramble. Um, you know, or they could have attempted that would have been like a 65 yard field goal. I think, uh, I know the win was coming in from, from that, uh, end zone, uh, the dog pound side, it was kind of blowing in according to those flags. So, uh, I don't know if he, Katie York could have put enough leg on it, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good performance, uh, offensively. It's just a shame that, it got completely wasted uh, based on the result. Right. And the running game got wasted as well. Uh, Nick Chubb, especially in the fourth quarter, like him and Kareem Hunt both started off really slow. The run game, I thought the Jets contained them um, as long as they could. But in that fourth quarter, Chubb and Hunt um, both put the offense on their back and uh, put them in a position to win. Uh, Chubb, I think, had two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, finished with 87 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Kareem finished with uh, 58 yards on 13 carries. So overall, the team rushed for 184 yards. So, I mean, uh, we know how dominant this running attack can be. Um, and they put us in a position to win, but it just it just really pisses me off that it was uh, all wasted because of how the defense played and how the ending of the game went. 
Yeah, yeah, it sucks. And, you know, we talked about how the Jets held Baltimore to, was it like 65 rushing yards last week or something? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Browns going there put up 184. Uh, you know, they had over – 400 yards of offense uh, between running and passing. And typically that means a win. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the, the defense couldn't hold up their end. And, you know, I, it, it really pays to have two really good running backs because the, the change of pace that one brings versus the other, uh, you know, Nick Chubb wears them down and then Kareem Hunt, you know, slices and dices his way through defense uh, like he did there on that, uh, on that last drive. So, uh, or that second to last drive, I should say, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as much as we talked about the defense, let's give credit to the New York Jets offense. I said that, you know, them, Sala and company, knowing what Joe Woods was going to bring, they were able to attack it. Joe Flanco had one of his best games in a long time. Like you said, over throwing for over 300 yards, four touchdown passes. Um, the running game was effective at times between Brees Hall and Michael Carter. And Garrett Wilson, you know, he didn't have the greatest game last week against the Ravens, but he definitely showed up, showed out in the Buckeye State. Uh, eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns, albeit he took a nasty fall on his hip and was able to come back in and uh, uh, light a spark for the Jets' offense. So uh, we mentioned it in the pregame. The Jets have a ton of young talent. Um, You know, if they can get the offensive line right and, you know, if Zach Wilson comes back and is as good as he was advertised coming out of BYU, the Jets have some potential moving forward Um, and what is already a stacked AFC, but – uh, the pieces are there on offense. It's just a matter of getting uh, the rest of the fine parts uh, around them uh, filled in. Yeah, yeah, they definitely have some good young pieces. You know, you mentioned the old line there. If they figure out Zach Wilson's the guy or not. Uh, but, you know, the receivers that they have, Wilson, Corey Davis, who's on his well, second team. Uh, yeah. Elijah Moore is another young receiver. Um, so, you know, they they did a very good job and. Garrett Wilson is going to be so good. Uh, just the way he was able to get open today, some of the catches he made, uh, you know, he just completely embarrassed uh, Emerson in, in the end zone there right in front of me uh, for his for his one touchdown. Um, you know, he's going to be good. So, you know, the, the, it seems like the Jets got that draft pick right. Hopefully they can build up the rest of the offense. And, you know, they do have a, a decent defense, but, they they probably need a couple more pieces, but uh, some of this young talents that the Nets have, um, they're going to be good as long as they figure out the quarterback thing. Yeah, for sure. That's the most important part. Zach Wilson will be back in a couple weeks, so we'll be interested to see what he can do uh, with this uh, array of talent surrounding him because Joe Flacco did a nice job today, um, but that's why the Jets keep him around. He's a solid veteran who's had great success in this league uh, and was able to uh, – uh, own the Browns defense once again. Uh, I think he's 18 and three now in his career against the Cleveland Browns. So much like Big Ben owned the Browns, uh, Joe Flacco continues to own them as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, another time he's won in Cleveland, which he did a lot with Baltimore. So, um, you know, it, it, it just sucks. Yeah. It <laughs> really no does. Way to, there's no other way to put it. It really does suck, man. Um, let's touch on the AFC North teams real quick before we get on out of here. Um, man, Anthony. And at least you... the Browns didn't have the worst day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
Pittsburgh lost to New England. That was a stinker of a game. Not going to waste too much time on that. We'll talk more about Pittsburgh um, later this week, obviously, as we preview them as they're the Browns' next upcoming opponent. But, Anthony, you didn't get to see it because you were at the stadium. But, oh, my God, the ending to Miami versus Baltimore was insane. Um, Baltimore or Miami was down 35 to 14 entering the fourth quarter quarter and Tua Tagovailoa and that Dolphins offense came roaring back, uh, scoring 20 outscoring Baltimore 28 to three in the fourth quarter. Um, unbelievable comeback victory, 42 to 38. Um, Baltimore's one and one, obviously the same record as the Browns. And that was albeit with Lamar Jackson having a, uh, an elite performance with over 300 yards passing and over a hundred yards rushing and four total touchdowns. Yeah. I was kind of following along because I saw it was, um, you know, 28 to seven uh, at halftime. And like all that game's probably, probably over. And then I opened the scores on my phone because I was checking the score of the Pittsburgh game. And uh, I saw that it was 28, 21. I'm like, Oh, they're coming back. And then next thing I know, I saw uh, a, a notification that uh, the Tua hit a 60-yard touchdown to tie your kill to tie the game. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I uh, checked on, on the walk back and saw that the that they actually did come back and win. So, um, yeah, I mean, kudos to Miami for not, uh, you know, bowing out, being down uh, three touchdowns there. And, um, you know, I, I guess it's all right. <laughs> it's hard to say things are all right, but after this week, all, all, or after week two, all of the AFC North teams could be one and one or the Bengals could be on two. So um, at least there's that going for us at the moment. Yeah. Like it's not completely lost with what's going on in the AFC North, but yeah, that Miami offense is so fun to watch between the way two is off to a great start, which could silence some of the whole Lamar Jackson to Miami talk. That's been, you know, building up because of Lamar's failed contract negotiations with the Ravens. But what two is doing right now, he's got seven touchdowns uh, in the first two games and the speed they have on that offense with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle at wide receiver is unbelievable. Not to mention they have uh Moser and Edmonds in the backfield. So a ton of speed on that Miami uh, Dolphins offense. It's going to be fun uh, to watch them throughout the season. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, Tyree Kill is just a different, uh, a different kind of player. And um, you know, if if Tua can stay on the same pace that he's at right now, uh, you know, Miami definitely has a, a good shot at uh, making the playoffs this year. Yeah, for sure. And. Uh, as we're recording, the Cincinnati-Dallas game is still ongoing. Dallas is up 17-9, to uh, which is maybe a shock to a lot of people because with Dak Prescott obviously being out, um, you would think the Cowboys' offense would kind of falter. But Cooper Rush is playing well, and uh, that Dallas defense is getting after Burrow. Uh, I made the comment to Anthony. Uh, he's already been sacked. I think 12 times. I think it's 13 times now in the first two games Joe Burrow has. So he's on pace to get sacked over a hundred times this season. So as much as the Bengals have uh, put into building up that offensive line to protect Burrow, he's still taking a beating. Uh, this Cincinnati team is off to a rough start and uh, it could be a Super Bowl hangover uh, for the Bengals, e even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, but it's always tough to get back and the Bengals are off to a very rough start, but it's still early on in the season. Yeah, and I was just looking at their schedule here. Next week they go to New York to take on the Jets. They have Miami at home and then Baltimore on the road. So 
not an easy start to the season uh, for the defending AFC uh, champion. So hopefully, uh, well, I guess not hopefully. I did. Um, they they gotta get together very quickly because they can find themselves in a big hole uh, very early on. Yeah, for sure. And you know the Browns play the Bengals on Halloween. Uh, obviously, they got Pittsburgh coming up, and I don't think they see Cincinnati until after the Bengals matchup. I'd have to look at the schedule again. But uh, the AFC North, uh, it's having a rough start, which you know still could bode well for the Browns if you know if the Bengals don't get on track, if the Ravens stay up and down uh, depending on how their defense performs. And obviously Pittsburgh's not off to the best start either. So this AFC North race could be tight as it is early on in the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you have to capitalize. And, um, you know, the Browns definitely failed to do that today. They could have capitalized and sat the top first place. uh, But unfortunately they're now tied with everybody else. Yep. Uh, It's really unfortunate, um, but they just cannot let today, uh, hit them too hard. They can't mope. They have to get back to work. It's a short week. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, as bad as they are offensively right now, they're still bringing it defensively. And uh, Thursday night's going to be a big game. I, I would call it a must win at this point, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you go in Thursday, you win that game on Thursday night, the whole narrative of this whole week completely changes and flips 180. So, um and all I will say at the moment is thank God Katie York got that field goal last week. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't, it, it would be a bad time to be a Browns fan right now. And uh, I don't even know, like the, the takes would be outrageous, but they might be necessary at this point, but we are one and one. Um, Hopefully, you know, they put this one behind us and uh, you know, Thursday, it's going to be a big game. Uh, we will be back later this week to talk about it. Uh, to get you guys ready for Browns versus Steelers. And then obviously the game's Thursday and hopefully we'll have a post game Thursday night. Um, if not, it'll probably be sometime over the weekend. Um, so with that in mind, you guys can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Jokey. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry 08 and follow the Dogland at the Dogland on Twitter as well as Facebook. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't already. Uh, And with that in mind, until next time, Browns fans, uh, hang in there. Uh, We've been through much worse, although I don't know if today could get much worse. Uh, But with that in mind, as always, go Browns. Everyone loves TV Dad. On the next TV Dad, presented by Progressive, TV Dad meets the prom date. So you're here to take my daughter out, huh? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Now, I'm only going to say this once. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say take care of my little girl or something. <laughs> She's a kickboxer. She could take care of herself. Listen to your TV dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.